three, two, one. Welcome to the Center Bench Sports Podcast, where four washed-up athletes talk about sports. We have Mikey, Pale, Luke, and myself, Luca. Uh, we had took a break this uh, last week. We just called it our bye week. We needed to regroup. We needed to regather. Um, so it's top of the morning to you guys. How's everyone doing? I know Peo's a little moody there. He's not a morning guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny because Peo is the morning guy, though. <laughs> I know. What the hell? I'm up the earliest, but it takes me a while to like get going. I need a good hour before I'm functional. <laughs> takes you a while to get that back activated. <laughs> yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> so um, I have my AirPods in. I'm enjoying the morning. I'm going into Starbucks. And as I enter, all the, all the baristas are looking at me like I have six heads. I'm like, oh, what the hell? And I can't hear them, right? And they're trying to talk to me. I'm like, oh, hi, good morning. I'm, I'm just trying to, th- like, make what they have to say. And then the girl's pointing to my mouth. And I'm like, what? And I had no mask on. So I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was just like, uh, uh, and I was grabbing my mask. So I put it on. And then uh, they're like, yeah, you need to have a mask before we can serve you. It was like, oh, my bad. So, yeah, that was my morning. <laughs> Are we ready to roll? Sure, let's do it. We're going to bring back the segment Guess That Player, just so everyone has a reminder. We're going to give out clues, and the podcast has to guess who that player is. It's the NBA All-Star this weekend, so it's going to be our NBA All-Star edition. We're going to list out a couple of clues in regards to All-Stars that never want to ring. You guys ready? All-Stars in our generation, though. I don't want to be guessing Bob Kelsey or anything like that. (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll start. I'm the leader, so I'll start. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's an NBA current player. He was drafted in 2005, fourth overall out of Wake Forest. He won Rookie of the Year in 2006. 11 All-Star appearances. Four NBA assists leaders. Two out of the five teams he has played for are the New Orleans Hornets. Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Fuck. <laughs> we have to give that to Luke. That's Luke. Let's yeah. go, baby. I know. I, I, I was I was questioning myself on whether he went to Wake Forest. Okay, so clue number one: five-time NBA All-Star. Clue number two: he started his career with Golden State. Clue number three: he was Rookie of the Year winner in the 1993 to 1994 season. Clue number four, he's an analyst on NBA TV and occasional guest on TNT's Inside the NBA. Clue number five, he's infamously known for calling a timeout when the team had none in the final seconds of a game at the University of Michigan. Uh, Chris Weber. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> fab, fuck. fab five, baby. I was hoping someone got that reference. <laughs> this player played for the Bulls, the Raptors, the Wizards the Rockets, and the Knicks. He coached the Killer Three, the Killer Threes of the Big Three League. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that league. He, he was arrested in Madison Square Garden. Um, what's his name? Isaiah Thomas? or what? That's his first, not Isaiah. Um, no. Oh, my God. Payo's out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he was drafted by the... Uh, Charles Oakley. Yeah. yeah. What did he say? What was it? Charles, Charles Oakley. Oakley. Oh. James Dolan got him arrested and he escorted yeah. him out. Oh, Charles. He never won a ring? No. No. 
He's the guy that wore those those glasses. And wow. he was, this yeah. is my uh, this is my segment. Let's go. Yeah, we're doing we're NHL next. <laughs> next next <laughs> week so next week we're doing NHL so we can yeah, get back seriously. on the board. <laughs> okay, clue one, he was drafted in the year two thousand and nine. Clue two, he's a four time all star. Clue number three, he's played for two teams in his career. Blake Griffin. No. Damn it. Okay, so whatever clue this is, he holds the franchise record for most points for the team that drafted him in 2009. Russell Westbrook. No. Fuck. Oh, Luke and I'm just going to sit on this. Let's go. Okay, I got an easy one here. I think I know who it is, but. He's played for the Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, this oh, is God. Easy. Come on, Luke. Why are you? <laughs> Luke, fuck. <laughs> oh, DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> oh, hello. Yo, he should be disqualified. Oh, my God. You, you, you know why? Because I, I couldn't get Matt Bonner out of my head because uh. we did him the last time. And so I'm like thinking, and then I'm going back in like the airs. Oh, he was an all star, though, right? No. No, well, I wasn't Bonner? thinking of that clue. I was trying to think of who played wasn't on the he, Raptors. Wasn't in the Spurs. he part of the three point competition when he was in the Spurs? Matt yeah, Bonner. that's that all-star game. I don't know if he had, was. I don't. I don't think he was in the three-point competition, but he had like the highest uh, three-point shot percentage that year with the Spurs. Man, when you said two te- two teams, I thought it was Blake Griffin for sure. <laughs> you tricked me, man. Fuck. All right, that segment was guess that player. Our total point score is Luke is now at four. He killed this round. Not a boy, Luke. Peo at five. Mikey at five, and me down under at two. Let's talk some hoop, boys. We just finished uh, Guess That Player. So since it's the All-Star break, we can just reflect on the NBA season for from now. Um, what story will flip in the second half of the year, which means what team could be going into the right direction after the All-Star break or going to the wrong direction uh, after the All-Star break? What do you guys think? I can, I can start off with one. I think... The New York Knicks are mm. going to come back down to earth mm. a little bit. So they're currently sitting at the number four seed, which is getting a lot of media attention, and rightfully so. It's the New York Knicks, and nobody had them in the playoffs. So James Dolan, New York Knicks, most more importantly. Um, and all credit goes to Tom Thibodeau to getting them here. Um, but I, as I've, I've said in the past, I think it's a very unusual year where players are still adjusting and the market is going to correct itself. And I think specifically for the Knicks, they're a team that's not that deep. Uh, no one has played more than total, more total minutes in the NBA than Julius Randle, and he's a third on average behind only Fred Van Vliet and Harden. So I think over time you'll start to see him wear down because he's not used to those type of minutes. Um, and I think I, I see them falling not too far outside. I think the nine seed, potentially best case, the eight seed, they slip into the playoffs. Um, but I see Indiana and Atlanta as, as teams that are, are better than them on paper. Yeah, I, I think the two teams for me to watch for, even though they're in, in a playoff spot right now, they haven't had the best of seasons, the best of first halves. Two of them would be Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I think Miami's currently at 500, and I think the Celtics are only like two games above. Um, those are two teams that have gone through um, issues with COVID, so they've had a lot of guys out. They've had a lot of games postponed, haven't really got into a rhythm. Uh, but I think now with the rest, with all their players back, 
Um, both those teams should make a run and I can see both of them finishing in the top five and maybe even one of them sneaking into that top three. I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz. Uh, and just not to say they're not a good team, but I don't think they're first in the West good. Uh, I think they, you know, lose a couple games here and there, maybe get an injury down the stretch. Um, and the other teams start playing more like playoff basketball and turn it up to a notch that they're not accustomed to. Um, and, you know, maybe they finish fourth or fifth, not first in the West. Nice. All, uh, all solid points there. How about um, the Raptors? What's the letter grade for the Raptors the first half of the season? What do you guys think? Why don't you start off, Mikey, biggest Raptors fan here. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'll, I'll go like C+. Plus. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I didn't expect them to be that good, but I did expect, to expect them to be at least 500. Uh, they did get off to a horrendous start. What was it, 2-8? and eight. So yeah. since then they've been, you know, that a better team, but you can't just forget about the the yeah. start. So um, I think there's room for improvement. I don't know. I don't see them improving though. That's the only issue I have, unless mm-hmm. they do a trade or something. Like I don't think the pieces they have are underperforming. I think everyone's a lot of people are overperforming. Are you um, a little nervous about your bet, Mikey, with Luke? So I, I did a little bit of math the other day when they <laughs> when they lost again to Boston, and I think they got to go twenty one and fifteen. That would okay. put them at thirty eight wins, um, and was it thirty eight and a half? Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, so and that also would, worth noting, they have the seventh toughest second half schedule in the NBA, which so it's it's not going to be an easy ride for them. So for Luke to win his bet, they have to go twenty two and fourteen in the remaining games. Yeah, I think honestly, I feel, I feel pretty good, confident. I, yeah, I, I'm not, hey, I'm not, I'm not like, like it's a sure thing, but I think there's a good chance they don't. I it's funny how the like the year it's such a weird year because they were at 500 and then next on their schedule they had Detroit and Chicago before all this COVID stuff happened. So you're looking at them potentially being two or three games up a, above 500 going into the All Star break, and the flip would have been totally. Uh, or the script would have been totally flipped, sorry. Um, but having said that, I, I'm giving them a B plus, And I know it, it seems unusual given their, it doesn't really show in their record. But there's also other teams in the standings right now that we know are better teams than where they're at currently. Dallas being one of them. Matt citing the Celtics as being another one. Um, so we, we also have to consider, as we have before, they're moving their families to Tampa uh, them getting adjusted there, key injuries throughout the year with OG, with Kyle, and then all of this COVID debacle happening with all of their coaches and key players. Um, and then they're also overcoming the lack of the center position. And everyone thought coming in Aaron Baines was going to be much more of a contributor, and they've had to play in much more creative ways. So I, I think having said that, they've overcame a lot. And they're playing good basketball as a team via the eye test. There's just been eight or nine games maybe even more that have could have gone it, it was a coin flip could have gone the other way and i think hopefully it's it's hard to predict if if the team comes back and cohesively um and there's no real setbacks in terms of injuries and COVID. i think this team can pull it together and i think they can they can have me winning my bet against mikey luke the eye test never fails my friend yeah I think, it's not, I think not just a, it's not just about Pascal Siakam's box score, eh, Matt? Uh, too great. <laughs> he hates playing when I watch him. <laughs> I, I, it's tough to grade them. I, I'm probably leaning more towards what Mikey said, C plus, maybe at best a B minus. 
they have had a lot thrown at them, Luke. Um, but there's a lot of ifs that you're talking about. Like if they can sure up their center position, if people start playing up to, to their potential and they get healthy, like there's no guarantee. Yes, they, they had to move their families to Tampa, but that's the reality of the season. At some point, we, we have to start thinking of them and looking at them as they are and how they're currently slated, right? So although those are definitely points to think about as to why maybe they're not performing at the top of their level, we kind of have to grade them based on how they're playing now. And the team, when I look at them, at least, they're always a hard team to play against. They never give up. I think there was that one game in the fourth quarter where they would just not go down. And it was like the last 30 seconds took about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, I just I don't think they have the talent to make a run in the playoffs. Maybe they can get through, sneak in, and maybe win a round. But after that, I think it stops there. I agree, though. But, like, you're... You, you you said that like at some point we have to start giving them that break around Tampa and I think that break has passed but if you take away the two and eight start which is obviously difficult too then they're four games above For 500 sure. and we're talking about it being a good start to the Raptors season so yeah that's why um, I was thinking C plus but because after a start but because how they kind of bounce back I'll, I'll give it yeah. a B minus there you go no it's all fair given given their record and where they're at but extra, hopefully extra brownie points for Matt <laughs> Hopefully turns around. Luke, I know you mentioned the Mavs. Uh, do you think Luca will turn the Mavs season around? Yeah, I think I think he will. Um, like they've been playing great as of late. They're eight of two in, in their last uh, ten games, and he's been playing that MVP candidate type basketball that everyone expected of him. Uh, I think that he had a couple of games back to back over forty points in, in February. So that's kind of the Luca that we're all excited to to see um, this year and watch him play. Uh, having said that, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get within uh, the top four seeds. So they're four games back, I think, right now from the fourth seed. And I don't really see the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Suns falling right now. They're all solid teams, solidly built. Um, and most of them, minus the Suns, have, have been there before. Um, so I don't see them falling out. So I do see them finishing in probably that five or six spot, depending on how Portland pans out for the rest of the season. But if you're a team playing Dallas in the playoffs, that's a scary matchup. Um, so watch out for them in the playoffs to potentially make a run and, and maybe upset a team like Utah's, as Mikey mentioned, could slip off in the second half of the year. I think the big question for, for Dallas in the second half coming into the trade deadline is do they make a trade? Uh, I know they could they very much use a sharpshooter. Um, just picture a sharpshooter with Luka Doncic as he drives, dishes out to him. They Right now, they're a terrible three-point shooting team, so that's what I would look for at the trade deadline. Speaking of trading, then, Luke, uh, I think there was a report saying that they're listening to offers on Porzingis. Yeah. Is that a guy you would move in Dallas to get that sharpshooter? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been what they're, they've expected out of him, but he's coming off a major injury. Um, I would consider it, but to me, you're considering it for a, sh a sure thing uh, in a big man that you know that's that's been there in the playoffs before as well. I really like Porzingis, what he's done before um, his injury as a basketball player. I think he's a tremendous player. As the question becomes, do, do they believe in him to, to really start ramping it up in the second half of the season? Because if they can't get the minutes out of him that they need, um, and he can't get the points and, and the defensive rebounds that they need of him, then maybe it's time to move him. Move him. Um, I personally would probably let him ride, and, and I would yeah. go after a shooter and, and keep Porzingis. Just because yeah. it's a weird year too, and you don't 
maybe he's not playing up to it this year, but next year, who knows, right? I think he's too right. talented and too good of a player positionally to kind of just give up on this quickly. Yeah, and they're paying him big money. Yeah. And, it, and it, yeah, and to, that's a good point too, right? It's like if, if I'm Dallas, I'm looking at the league and saying, wow, this league right now, there's some good teams that we're going up against and both LA teams. And then when you look over to the East, we talk about how stacked it, it has been lately with the East teams. So it's like this is this is a good step in experience for your players, regardless of whether they win a championship, and maybe you make that evaluation of Przingis after the season. Yeah, he you need to find him a Robin, like he's the Batman, Luca. Um, yeah, I'm like a firm believer. You need at least two two superstars to win in the NBA, um, and I don't think that's a move that you can make before the trade deadline. I think it's more of an off season move, and mm-hmm. I think Dallas is is an attractive spot for another superstar to come. And I think they will eventually get, because I don't think um, KP is that, is that superstar. I don't think he's enough uh, yeah. of, of a second, second player to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough as like people are, people are putting a lot of blame, not blame, but people are really looking at Porzingis right now, but Luca takes up so much ball time. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. always got the ball in his hands. So when when Porzingis was the only option in in New York, like it's it's easy for him to put up those thirty point games, but I, I think it's it's a different ball game when you have Luca playing. In the sports world, everyone was talking about their re- re- Mount Rushmore when it comes to their sport goats. After Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, discussions were kind of leading that way. We here at the podcast thought we would take a different approach and list our best chip flavors of all time. So, boys, let's uh, build your Mount Rushmore. What, what's the chip, best chip flavors of all time, according to you guys? What do you guys got? I'll uh, go first. All right, go ahead, Luca. All right, so my number one, I'm going to stick to the Canadian roots, and uh, it's obviously ketchup. Ketchup chip's number one for me. Oof. Wow. <laughs> That's not even yeah. my top. Uh, <laughs> let's not okay. rank them, though. Let's not rank them. Yeah. Just throw it for Okay, so yeah. ketchup, yeah. Cool Ranch Doritos, salt and vinegar, and the Miss Vicky's blue bag, so that's the sweet chili. Ooh, <laughs> that interesting. That's my okay. top four. Wait, so you had ketchup, Cool Ranch, Miss Vicky's what? The, the blue, blue bag. bag? And the what's sweet, the fourth? The flavor is called sweet chili, but everyone, you know, everyone just goes by the blue bag. Uh, and salt and vinegar. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go. Um, I think number clear number one and the only the best chip in the world. Um, sweet chili heat for Doritos. Yeah, hundred percent. You got it. Um, 100%. Then I'm gonna go. Well, the I guess it's like a purple light purple bag. It's Parmesan and roasted garlic mixed Vickies. Oh, that's a wild card. Not bougie. Uh, then I agree with Luke on the blue bag. Sweet chili and sour cream is a great flavor. And the fourth one, probably my most controversial. I'm gonna go smart food. Oh, I it's, hate it's, dude, it's, I hate it's in the chip food. flavor. It's smart, in the chip aisle. S- smart food is that bowl that you reach for when everything else is gone in my oh, opinion. No. I, I, I like the smart food, but I just hate how no. it gets stuck on all your fingers after. Man, like, yeah. There's no flavor, there's there's no to, flavor to the yeah, popcorn. I'd rather just make popcorn. That's just no, like that's a crucial point, Pale. That's such a pain point to eat. Yeah. Like yeah. you gotta And it makes my mouth dry every time I have a bag. It's very controversial, Mikey. Don't get me okay. wrong. If it is good, I'm eating it when it's in front of me. But top four is bold. So Actually, you know, you know, what I did the other day with smart food. I put in some candy in it. It's a good, you know. Wow, that's a little too much for me. <laughs> wow, it's my, <laughs> a, little too, too my rich. a little too rich. It was my cheat day. 
<laughs> I do like that Chicago style popcorn though, where mm, yeah, half of them not, are um, caramel and half are yeah. I like that too. It's that, it's that contrast that gets me going. <laughs> All right, for me, I, I'm shocked that three of us have this Miss Vicky's Blue Bag, the sweet chili and sour cream, because I thought of this was like a hidden gem that I had discovered. But <laughs> that is that is by far my top four. Uh, Dorito sweet chili heat. Me and me and Mikey both riding the sweet chili wave. And then my last two are different. So I have Miss Vicky's Jalapeno. Oh, and I have All Dress Ruffles. Is a true, true classic. Oh, nothing yeah, nothing beats that. That's like the exact same. No way. Let's almost, go, pal. Almost, almost. Oh, okay. You don't have Jalapeno for sure. I do. I oh, no way. Man, I haven't I, had All Dress in a while, man. It's a, uh... Man, All Dress are great. Oh, it's great. All, yeah, all Dress was good until Miss Vicky's came out. And then it's just yeah. like, I have no time for this All Dressed. Uh, sometimes, like, <laughs> Miss Vicky's is such an intense flavor with everybody. Sometimes All Dress, you, you need a little bit of a break. Yeah, I, Luke, I have three out of the four the same as you. Nice, sweet, good friends. Sweet Chili Heat, as you and Mikey said, that's my clear number one. Um, I have the all dress chips ruffles as well, just because I grew up with those ones. It was always my favorite chip. Sticking to the roots, eh, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Number three, I have the Miss Vicky's jalapeno. That's the green, the green label. Um, and number four, I have Cool Ranch Doritos. Nice. Wow. Cool Ranch, extremely underrated. I don't know how yeah. you guys slept on that one. I said it. I just find it's it's so <laughs> vanilla. Like it's they're yeah. good, sure, but. Sometimes you don't yeah, want me, those don't... bold flavors, though, right? You I'd rather have regular. I'd rather have regular Doritos in the Cool Ranch. Yeah. No, again with no. like the whole getting cool. your fingers messy and everything with oh, the regular. Oh God, these guys are. So... <laughs> Sometimes when I'm eating sweet chili heat, I'll throw in like a Cool Ranch chip just to cool my stomach, like similar to blue, <laughs> Matt, similar to blue cheese with hot wings. It's Matt, like do you a wear a white glove when you eat chips? <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, have you ever had wings before? <laughs> I get it fed to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that was pretty fun. Let us know, whoever's listening, uh, what what four flavors would be in, in your Mount Rushmore of chips. It's time for our puck talk. Let's start off with Mikey. <laughs> is Dubis the executive of the year? Yeah, to me, he is. It's pretty clear cut. I don't think anyone's even, there's not even a close second. Uh, the moves that he's made in the offseason, I've talked about them tirelessly on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> the Simmons and the defense and, you know, all the other pieces that he's made, and it's paid off. They're the top team in the NHL. And this, this, the award is based on regular seasons. The, the voting happens before the playoffs begin. So with that criteria, I think he is. Yeah, I, I would agree, actually. You, just, you kind of said it at the end there, the criteria is regular season and all the guys that Dubas brought in is contributing, whether it's on the score sheet um, or just through the eye test. Um, so yeah, credit to him. I think he'll, he is the executive of the year and the Leafs are going to finish top of their stand, top of their division in the standing. So I don't see anyone really coming close in that regard. I don't have a problem with him winning executive of the year. I have a problem with uh, this being on our schedule this early in the season because, as you said, it's regular season title, but let's wait till the, the rest of the season plays out and, and how all of those players that are contributing now end up end up finishing the season. Just just based off their division, I, th- I think they're going to walk away with it. Like, Well, yeah, and Montreal is falling apart. Edmonton is so inconsistent. Yeah. Senators yeah, no, Edmonton, are trash. Calgary just fired their coach, like... <laughs> 
Edmonton was four points back of the Leafs, and then they do- compl- Leafs completely dominated them. Outscoring thirteen to one in three games, and now they're ten points back. Like these mini game series too. Like everyone before the series was like, "Ooh, Edmonton could you know take the division lead." It's just so much on the line, and then they just get completely yeah, they got outplayed ass. everything. Like there's not but, much they did right. To me, the my, second best team is is Winnipeg, and I've always said that. I think they have the the deep one of the deepest forwards groups in the NHL. They have the best goalie in the division. Their defense is a little suspect, but watch out if they add somebody too. I think they might. Um, Leafs have Winnipeg three times. To me, that's the biggest test of the year so far. Speaking of second best, Mikey, do you still stand by your comment that this is the second best division in the NHL? <laughs> There's no way. I think that's a little erratic if you ask me. I think me. you forgot the division was St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Not to say Florida, Florida, Tampa, Carolina is a pretty good division too. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think Winnipeg's a pretty good team. Um, I think this te- like to me, Ottawa's the only team that's terrible. Like if you look at those other divisions with the Colorado and like with the um, the Hurricanes and the Tampa division, they have some teams that are absolutely terrible. Um, I, I mean, like you know, there's all the the California teams which are terrible, and San Jose. Well, LA's been surprisingly not bad. Uh, in San Jose and Colorado's division and the other side it's there's a whole bunch of teams there that I think are terrible too and would be probably last if not you know competing with the Sens for last in our division um I don't know I think it's tough to like for somebody to say oh this division's the best like it's hard when they're not playing each other Um, you're basing it all off last season there's lots of things that have happened since last season so to me I, I I find it hard to debate like even the best team in the NHL right now who is it I think it's really tough to, f- to to pinpoint like a top three teams even when they don't play each other. It's, I guess speaking of that, I, I think Tampa for me is, is the team to beat. What are you guys' thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, Tampa looks strong and they're pl- playing this way without Kucherov too. So that goes, yeah. to, that says something. Vasilevsky's <laughs> a wall back Unbelievable, there. Unbelievable, that guy. <laughs> he can't put the puck behind him. Um, I I would say Tampa is probably up there too, and I would say the second team is the Vegas for me. Vegas just looks very complete when you look at their their defense group, their goaltending. Flurries, I think Flurry might be the Vesna winner, him or Vasilevsky right now, uh, and their offense like they're getting production from all of their lines offensively. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think Tampa is still the team to beat. They're the Stanley Cup champions, and they haven't shown anything that would make me you know. Uh, not think they're a, a Stanley Cup contender this year, and they've shown that throughout the year. Uh, in terms of top three, I have yeah Vegas, Tampa, and Toronto in, in my top three. And and Matt, they get Kucherov right at the playoffs, right? They should, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Expected. that's even dangerous. Yeah, I think the one team that we haven't mentioned, though, that could potentially be a better team than Tampa is Colorado. And I, th- I say this on the basis that Grubauer has been, uh, been playing really well this year. Um, so if you can continue that into the playoffs, then I think Colorado is the team to watch out for with their offensive power, firepower and with Kale McCarr, a boy, in the back. Yeah, I mean, they've like Colorado, I would say, still a top team as well. They've been playing, actually, without McCarr. And yeah. He was in the lineup. I think he was the clear runaway favorite for the, for the Norris. So yeah. having a guy that came out of your lineup, they've had guys in and out too, like Landis Cog missed a game because I think uh, he had a birth of his child. McKinnon missed some time. And then they also had the COVID here where they were out for like two weeks and not playing games. So 
easy yeah. to forget about them. But to what we were saying at the beginning of the season, their biggest question mark was at the goalie position, and Grubauer's been playing well, right? So. Yeah, McCarr's got to come back. I have a Norris bet on him, and it was yes. looking great. Yeah. Now. Um, what about Dougie Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's great too. Look at Carolina, but I don't know. The only thing that bothers me about Colorado is is their forward group. I don't love the depth that they have after after the top three in Langeskov, uh, Rantanen, and McKinnon. Like Codger's a great number two center, but I don't I don't know. They don't. They're not that deep. I don't know if they're going to be able to compete with a team like Vegas and St. Louis and those kind of teams. What I really like about them, especially come playoff time, because the game changes so much compared to regular season to defense, um, they have a solid defensive group. So I think having that might outweigh maybe not having as much scoring mm-hmm. touch on the third and fourth line when it comes to playoff time anyway. Yeah, it's, I'm still, to me, it's still goalie. Like I know Grubauer has been great and good for him, but it's only you know less than half the year. Um, I would still... Looked, even if he's playing great and he's play, like, a, like a Vesna candidate, I would still go look to add a veteran uh, a veteran presence back there because, God forbid, he slips up or he gets injured again. Uh, I, don't, like, I don't even know who they have as their second goalie. And to throw two years away because your goalie gets injured of like prime McKinnon years is, to me, unacceptable. Yeah. Bringing it back to the north a little bit, we've now had our, our second head coach fired. Uh, within the division somehow still the, the second best division in hockey but uh, <laughs> what, do, what do you guys think of of the firing and then the the hiring of Sutter I think like I'm okay with the firing like Jeff Ward I don't think they were ever fully confident in him I know they had a great run last year with him when they when he did take over uh, for Don Peters but I mean, they would know best within the locker room the type of coach that he is and if it was time to make the change. But kind of on the fence with it, I don't know if he's the type of coach for today's game. He's more of like, he's a hard ass. He's tough to play for and he's going to ride you if you're playing shit, which maybe that's what Calgary needs. But for the types of pairs like a Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, guys like that, I don't know if they're going to thrive in that style of coaching and within his system. But... Yeah, Matt, um, even Lucic came out and said, you know, Flames hope Coach Sutter's demanding style worth it at the end. So right off the bat, yeah. they're kind of But with, co- with coach, coaches like that, Luca, they, they have a shorter shelf life than most, right? Like yeah. you, you, you can only yell, mm. scream, and call out your players for, for a certain period of time before your players t- uh, tune you out and you lose the yeah, locker room. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like this coach is just your crazy ex-girlfriend coming back. You That's know. exactly what I thought when I saw Sutter. But then I looked, and it, he's only been with Calgary once. I thought, I'm like, is this his third or fourth time with Calgary? Yeah, yeah that's what I, f- I feel felt, like he never left. He like was the that. GM, too. Yeah, he maybe. keeps coming oh, back, why. and it's like a crazy ex-girlfriend rela- relationship. But this is only his second stint with Calgary coaching. I can see it being messy, though. <laughs> my, uh, I was talking to my dad, and I'll give him credit for this point, but like, what's with the NHL and all of these – like? just reusing coaches like what is what's the pipeline for young nhl coaches and why aren't young nhl coaches getting a shot like they do in the nfl like that's why i I actually don't mind uh the habs hire like in hindsight now like give a a guy that you've been breeding up a young a young guy give a guy a shot versus just recycling through these same coaches is is so weird it's that old gentleman's club that's exactly what the nhl always is and even like I mean, even like look at Pittsburgh, like bringing in Brian Burke, like an old guy like that as yeah. your present. Like that's like what more proof do you want? Oh, um, Leafs did it. 
Good yeah, for I was the Leafs. Say, Le- Leafs are pretty progressive with it with Dubas, with Keefe. Mm-hmm. Good on them. But um, Take that, Mike Bradica. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, prior, prior to that, they did have Lou Lamorello and Mike Babcock. So. Yeah, that, that was the definition of a gentleman's club right there. Well, they, those no, guys were grooming the, the next Keith, one. This is Keith's first NHL job, no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah same the, with that, that more my point isn't the the gentleman's cl- or his point wasn't the gentleman's club. It was the point about them it being a revolving door of the same NHL coaches that just hop around teams, right? Mm-hmm. Because of COVID now, like to make a change too, your options are pretty limited. Like, Fair. especially if you're in the North Division, like you're probably gonna have to hire someone within Fucking Canada stupid. because like, otherwise, <laughs> same with trades too. Otherwise, cool. you got to wait two weeks and that takes a week to yeah. kind of like get familiar yeah, with the place and all that. Um, I don't know. Is he an interim, or do they give him the full, like a contract and everything? Who Sutter? Sutter. Yeah, Sutter. I think, yeah, I think they gave him full, right? Yeah, and he's got like a two-year extension or two-year okay. deal after this season. Speaking but, like, of NHL coaches, if, I'm just looking looking through it. Paul Maurice has been with the Jets for it seems like forever. He's a great coach, Paul Maurice. <laughs> yeah, like he's been the there for over. He a loves the media. He might actually come on this podcast. He loves. <laughs> <talking> <laughs> <about it. laughs> I love Paul Maurice as a coach. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's done no, good. I like to see that too. I love seeing like Steelers do like not to switch topics to the NFL, but Steelers keep the same head coach forever. Yeah. I like teams that don't always use the coach as a scapegoat. Like let's change the culture. Let's change some players around. We have a good coach. We believe in him. Mm-hmm. And and also the players I think are less likely to go to that too when they know that the coach is not going to change. Well, yeah. yeah. Look at look at like, Buffalo. Right? Yeah. They, they get a new coach every year and a yeah. half. No, I just want to say about Trudeau and this 14 day quarantine period. <laughs> If you're listening, just end it. Like <laughs> these players are getting tested like twice a day or yeah. you know, like ten times a week. Let them quarantine for a three day period, let them do six tests. If they are all negative, let the let the player or the coach or whoever it is yeah. join the team. Like that's enough of this fourteen day. These players they're not average citizens. Um, they're getting tested a lot more than anybody else. So you know, have a little bit of leniency when it comes to that because it's going to hurt the, tr- the Leafs when it comes to the trade deadline and making a move. So. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Eh? <laughs> forget, about, forget about COVID. I'd hey, Trudeau, I'm a Leafs fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe these players haven't been vaccinated. Like, if I was the NHL, I'd quietly buy fucking a it's thousand a doses. Work, shut up about it. You don't have to say too <laughs> yeah. much about it. You don't have to publicize it. Just- It's the return of the two-minute drill. I'm going to fire off a few sports headlines that happened this week and last week, and the boys are going to fire off their opinions. Tiger Woods' accident and recovery. Will he play another PGA Tour event? I think he will, yes. Tiger has proved again and again that he's able to bounce back. Um, so I expect him to be playing again another tournament, potentially winning. I'm not even going to speculate it, to be honest. I think Tiger holds a special place in my heart, and I just hope he gets better at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with Luke. I hope he gets better, um, but I do think he'll come back, and I think he'll win another championship. In uh, M- MLB news, Bradley Jr. signs with the Brewers for two years and $24 million. What's your opinion on the signing? Uh, this is a guy that he's a defensive specialist. He had a couple good flashes of offensibility with the Red Sox. Uh, center field is an important position to be defense first. Uh, I don't mind the signing. I think there's a little bit of untapped potential there. Is Lamelo Ball the real deal? And which ball would you rather have? Shout out to Adam Ionico. He's a ball. He's a ball I think boy. he's the real deal, and I think he's going to run away with rookie of the year. Definitely the best ball. Yeah, as much as I meant to say it, he's looking good out there. We'll see if he can be a perennial all-star, but at this point, his, his future looks promising. Luke, I'm looking at you here because I know you're a big wrestling fan. Shaq appeared on AEW. 
for the viewers who or the, and the listeners who don't know this, it's wrestling. Uh, he fought against Cody Rhodes. Does Shaq need to do this? Are you entertained by Shaq doing this? One word, yawn. Get out of this business, Shaq. Mm-hmm. You know better than that. He has, he has a great thing going on with TNT and the inside the NBA. Uh, like, cause this is child's play. Shaq doesn't have to do this for his image, no, but I think the wrestling community loves when he does do it. Ovi's cheap shot to Federich. I don't know how the hell that guy didn't get suspended. That deserved at least one game. Talk about motive and deliberately trying to hurt someone. Get that shit out of here. Yeah, I know. Like, they, they find him five grand and he makes $10 million a year. Give if you're a making $100,000, that's fifty. That's equivalent to finding one of us $50. $50. And you get to take a cheap shot right, <laughs> right in the good spot. Let's talk some football. Uh, there's some headlines this week. The most important one was actually J.J. Watt deciding where he wants to go. And he, to me anyways, this is surprising landing to the Arizona Cardinals for two-year contract and i believe it was with 38 million dollars 31 31 what do the boys think about this uh, landing spot here i think you kind of said it was uh, it was a surprise like everyone had him going to a contender like a green bay um pittsburgh they were even talking about buffalo um so i was surprised that he went to arizona um i think the biggest reason why he probably did I think he said he believes in Kyler Murray and everything, but I'm not really buying that. I probably think Arizona had the best off, one of the best offers out there. I know there are some reports saying like Indy did, but they kind of came on and said that wasn't true. Um, but I think like he probably got the best money and look where he's playing. He's playing in Arizona where it's hot every day of the year and the ta- there's no uh, state income tax. So settling for that type of money where I think he's got 23 million guaranteed. He's actually getting that money. Whereas if he would have signed with like an LA team or green Bay, he's not really getting that true money. So I'm not buying what he's saying that he went there because he can see Kyler Murray winning a championship. Yeah. JJ Watt. uh, We mentioned it's about Russell Wilson. JJ Watt reminds me of like a Russell Wilson. He's a little bit of a cookie cutter. Um, I was recently watching Hard Knocks back in 2015 with the Houston Texans. And like like, like you said, Peos, sometimes he says stuff and it's like, dude, you know, you, you don't do that. Like he was saying, I train with Olympian athletes and I go to bed at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. and I wake up at like 4 a.m. to train and the camera cameras were on. I think he just does that for, for a show and for a camera and just to build up his character. Uh, this is a good point there, Matt. Whoever is his agent is needs a promotion because I think paying fifteen million yeah. for a guy yeah. this old with his injury history is absurd. And I was reading like people were kind of confused because they didn't think that there were any other suitors even close to that number. That yeah. people had him going for around eleven, twelve million. Um, so good for him for somehow maneuvering himself into a fifteen million dollar a year contract in a great place, as you guys mentioned, like Arizona. Um, having said that, I like. Although, like, who knows what his availability is going to be and and if he can stay healthy. But I think he brings a great sense of leadership to a team that probably needs it. They have a lot of young superstars. Kyler Murray, um, this this upcoming year is kind of make it break it for them. We talked about this last year being a little bit of a bridge year. And I think you need those guys in the locker room like J.J. Watt. Um, that have been through the ringer, that bring that leadership that can be a voice in the locker room in order to propel you forward. Um, I think there's a lot of intangibles that really don't get talked about that he can bring. So I'm excited to see what he does in Arizona. I thought I heard rumors that he was offered more money elsewhere. 
Really? One of them they yeah. said was indie, but they like yeah, Cyrus indie. and indie said yeah. that's not true at all. That they yeah. weren't even close to that number. I think. But if you, I think if that, you, I think people like saying that at like the, the his own agent might leak it because then it looks good that he chose Arizona, and then like Arizona sure, likes yeah. him like that much more. Like, oh, he took a little less to come to Arizona. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was it's the like veteran synth- play. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it's a g- good fit. Um, I think he'll bring a good culture there, and they're like we talked about. They're a team that's on the cusp. I think I think they are, anyways. Yeah, I, I don't think I about JJ that, yeah. JJ Watts the difference maker that he once was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does. I I do believe in his culture. I don't know. I think oh, kind of. You guys said like oh, it might be a little bit of a show. I don't know. I I do think he he brings a certain culture and a certain expectation, and that's contagious. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I, I like the signing. I think they have the cap space because Murray's still on his rookie deal. And I think he brings more, like you know, it's a little bit of a Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons type signing. You know, you always <laughs> got to do that. Back to the league. <laughs> I think uh, it's no, a, it, yeah, I think it's it, a good signing from the Arizona side of it. Like, yeah. definitely not arguing with that. Mm-hmm. I just think like his whole thing, like if he wants to win, is Arizona the best place to do that? Like, it's just that division itself. You have yeah. the, you have LA, you have the Rams, you have the Seahawks, you have the 49ers. 49ers are not going to be the same team they were last year. I think they'll be a little bit better. The Rams, now that they have Stafford, they're expected to be a contender. So, um, yeah, definitely. A tough I don't. Division. I don't that think that was division, the best yeah. destination for him if he wants to win a ring. Like he could have went to Green Bay, right? Yeah, but it could have. It could have been the only destination for a decent amount of money. But that's what I mean. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't buy the whole thing of. He was prioritizing winning a ring. I think the money was the most important for him. The fastest decline on an NFL team does. Does it have to be the Houston Texans? I think it is. Like they were, they were at the AFC Championship not mm-hmm. so long ago with <laughs> battling out with the New England Patriots. Now Watson wants out. Hopkins is out. JJ Watt is out. Um, is there any other team that? I mean, maybe you can make an argument with the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's another story. Um, the fastest decline is the Houston Texans. You guys agree or disagree? Yeah, they've got to be up there. We talked about in the NHL the idea of culture and cultural resets if a team needs one right now it's the houston texans in the nfl yeah um because clearly there is some sort of toxic environment going on with all these players wanting out um and for jj watt to to come out publicly and and talk about guys not wanting to win and i think that's not a good culture so i think it's i'm interested and intrigued to see how they move forward but definitely have fallen off a cliff recently yeah um and like you said, they need a reset, and I don't think they're going to get that reset until they trade Watson with the way he's behaving. Um, yeah. So I think they need to do that. They need to move on. They need to get, you know, they're, it's not probably going to change next year, but hopefully you can draft a good young quarterback in the next upcoming years, um, get a new coach in there, and, and then that could culture can slowly change, and the, the J.J. Watt, Hopkins, and Watson days can be forgotten about. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, even in the – when we were doing the NFL preview, or it might have been even a couple weeks in, like they were at the championship game against KC, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, and now they're like <laughs> probably the worst team in the NFL. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, they had a ton of good young pieces too, and they've just shot it all away. All right, well, that wraps up episode 12. Thanks to all of you that have listened to us so far. I wanted to give a special shout out this week. We lost two great Canadian sports heroes and Walter Gretzky and Chris Schultz, also known as Schultzy. We we hope that they rest in peace and all of our, our thoughts and prayers go out to their family. We'll be back next week for episode 13.